Hello, Northern Overexposure listeners. This week, we've got a short preview of an episode from our Patreon feed. That's right. We're still producing monthly bonus episodes on Patreon. You can subscribe for $5 a month. That's patreon.com slash Northern Overexposure podcast. I think we have probably over 20 hours of bonus episodes at this point. Uh, You can download it all and check it out, support our podcast. We use this money to cover the cost of hosting this podcast online. So we're very fortunate to have this support. This podcast isn't costing us any money to make right now, but it does take time. So we do apologize for gaps in programming like we have right now. But we've got some bonus content for you today. A sneak peek from our latest Patreon episode where we talk about the influence that Northern Exposure has had on its audience. It was a really fun conversation between Charles and I. We started off by talking about a listener who wrote into us to tell us their story about how Northern Exposure ultimately led them to a life in Slovenia. We also talked about Rob Morrow on Twitter. Recently, Rob was engaging with fans, asking about what life lessons we've learned from Northern Exposure. We actually tweeted at Rob and asked him about the life lessons that he learned himself from the show, and he responded. We talk a little bit about that in this clip here uh, that we're about to play. And finally, in this Patreon episode, Charles and I talk about how this wonderful TV show has affected our lives personally, what it means to us. But you'll have to become a patron to hear it all. This is just a short sample of the kind of content we produce each month on Patreon. Once again, you can find that at patreon.com slash northern overexposure podcast. We want to apologize again for this gap in programming lately. We've had a very busy spring, but we've got some really good episodes in season five coming up. We'll be back next week with our normal schedule. So stay tuned. All right. Here's the clip from Patreon. And uh, I want to pivot now to just the topic of, uh, as I was saying earlier, like the life lessons that you can take from Northern Exposure. And I use that wording life lessons specifically because uh, recently on Twitter, Rob Morrow was, uh, I guess he was added by, let's see, at Queen Guinevere. Uh, she says to Rob, I miss that show so much. All life's lessons can be learned by the gang from Sicily. Um, and Rob, uh, you know, quote tweeted that or retweeted that and said that he would love to hear what life lessons other people learn from watching Northern Exposure. And you know, we, we actually, um, we responded to this and we asked Rob, like, did you learn what lessons did you learn from being a part of it? Um, so I definitely want to read some of these, um, some of these tweets that people replied to Rob, but, um, let's see if I can find, where is it? Rob responded himself, life lessons that he learned from the show. Um, Film, like on-camera acting discipline, so learning how to act for camera, how to direct, and many, many philosophical, spiritual, and medical insights. Obviously, you know, this was, uh, I wonder, I guess, well, I mean, this is like Rob Morrow's like big break into acting, a huge role in his life. Uh, and, you know, we can only imagine like working on this TV show for six seasons, you learn a lot about uh, how, how to act on TV, you know, but, um, this was also, we kind of, Charles, we talked about, uh, our first Patreon episode was Rob Morrow's directorial feature debut maze. Um, but before that he had also, you know, directed a short film 
called The Silent Alarm. And this was kind of during uh, the run of Northern Exposure. He was starting to, you know, maybe want to direct film, film and TV, I guess. Um, And so I can only imagine, I feel like he's mentioned this before as well, but he probably learned a lot from the directors and cinematographers on set. You know, he was acting, but he was also being part of this filmmaking TV machine, production machine. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, you don't particularly work in television as much as you do in film, but I I was wondering if you knew the question to this. What exactly is like the main difference between how a television show is shot and how a film is shot? Mm -hmm. I feel like that difference is getting smaller and smaller today. Uh, You know, typically when you think of a sitcom, uh, you might think of like a show that's shot in front of a live audience, you know, with this, like the three camera setup. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. that? Like Seinfeld or whatever. Um, but then you have, uh, I feel like a lot of shows now are single camera, which means, you know, you just, you, rather than, you know, covering the the scene from three angles at once and you can cut back and forth to the camera, the different camera angles, uh, you like much like a film, like have a shot list and have an order of like what you need to shoot. I feel like they're, they're pretty similar in in that way. That'd be my only, yeah, that'd be my only, um, distinction, I guess, if you, if you wanted to say, I guess also the way sitcoms, um, like Seinfeld or other shows like that were lit, you know, it's a, you know, they light the entire stage and, uh, it's, you know, very rarely is there, a lot of contrast, high contrast or anything. It's just very, you know, bright and evenly lit, you know? Mm, okay. But Northern Exposure isn't multi-camera, right? It's single camera. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Sh- yeah, I mean, they might have had like situations where they had more than camera, more than one camera running at the same time. But yeah, it definitely has a more cinematic feel. Mm. And I'm, you know, there's shows at the time, yeah, Twin Peaks. Uh, I bet even like X-Files is a single camera, you know? I mean, they have... Northern Exposure also has a lot of sets as well, but um, feels like very filmic in a way. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is a reason, though, for multi-camera setups, and it's Mm -hmm. because it boxes everything in within those three cameras, so you can't escape that it's going to be in one of those cameras that are on the set. Therefore, it feels more like, quote-unquote, a uh, comfortable home. You know yeah. that it's going to be in this environment. It's not going to go away from there. So shows like Seinfeld or How I Met Your Mother, Friends, those things that have like a camaraderie between the characters and also within the audience, you feel comfortable because it's within the confines of those cameras. Yeah. Whereas on single camera, like you said, it's more cinematic, but it's also like you're not too sure where they're going to go to next. Like it can shoot to anywhere. It can follow to any direction and go to yeah. any person's uh, point of view. So it has its own pros and it has its own cons. And in Northern Exposure's case, I I guess that like it was, you know, it definitely is one that like, I never feel like it's always shooting from one particular angle. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what Rob is like really getting at in that like, he really had to think on his feet. He had to understand like, okay, where is this shooting from? How should my body be in relation to where the camera is? This isn't like a standard, like always look in this direction. Right. Um, always blocking this way. It's uh dynamic. Yeah. And just what you're talking about, about how that three camera setup sort of boxes you in, or, or rather it, uh, it covers everything. Like every bit of the scene is being captured. Uh, 
usually on all three cameras, more often than not on at least two of the cameras, whatever action that happens in the scene is getting captured. So as an actor, uh, you rehearse the scene. The director might like show you like, okay, I need you to walk around this chair at this moment, do this. But once you're ready to start filming, you just like act the scene out in, you know, from beginning to end and the cameras are, are rolling and they'll capture it. And we have three different angles we can cut between. Uh, we can change up the angle on the fly if we need to, but we really have, you just, it feels like, I think it might be a lot faster and easier for the actor because uh, you just act through the scene as if it were a stage production or something. But with the single camera, exactly what you're saying, Charles, yeah, you, you do maybe one part of your line. You don't even get to finish your line. And then it's like, okay, we just need to get the close up for when you say this line, cut, you know, move the camera all around. But hold on, Rob, I got to change all these lights, light the other side of the room, and then we're going to put the camera here. Yeah. <laughs> that is super interesting because what you're suggesting in this particular instance is that multi-camera segments are actually, quote unquote, more free in expression because uh, you're able to... Multi-camera? Oh, go ahead. Because you're saying that, like, in the multi-camera segment, um, it's going to x-ray everything that's within its sight line. So it's saying, like, okay, do what you want because we're going to cut at certain moments whenever you're acting. But pretty much, you know, go from beginning to end. Just do your line and we'll take over at the editing room. We'll yeah. look through the three cameras. We'll see which shot looks best. We'll be like, okay, right when he says this line, go to this angle, blah, 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 blah. But in the single camera, you're saying that like maybe you can read like a quarter of your lines before it has to dramatically change. And then you stop that line and like the camera has to shift and everything. That is like, it's more cumbersome. Yes, for sure. I think for the actor, it might be easier to have like your own idea and your and execute your idea as an actor. Like this is how I'm going to express this scene and this monologue. I'm going to get from the beginning to the middle to the end uh, in order, you know, maybe with the multicam. Whereas the single cam is more focused on, you know, capturing the picture more than uh, the, perf I mean, obviously we want a good performance, but the actor is going to have to work around what the picture requires. Because um, while we said like with the multicam, you could really do, we have the whole, we're spraying down the whole set with the cameras. Like we can see whatever <laughs> we need to see on set with three cameras. Um, but with that sort of broad, um, broad view of the set, we don't get as much intricate uh, details, cutaways, or, you know, interesting camera movements that might help tell the story in a visual way, not just uh, through the actor's performance, but through like the the lens of the camera that the director wants you to see it. Like the director is guiding your eyes in the way to to take in this performance. Yeah, I never thought about that because when you think about it, whenever you hear the words like multi-camera sitcom. It almost sounds like a pejorative sometimes in the year 2022, mm -hmm. where you think like, this is some hacky, hokey. It's kind of bland, yeah. Bland. I'm not saying it can't be that, but there is like a, a freedom of expression for the actors 
in that one particular field for them to grow. I'm not saying you can't act either in mm-hmm. single camera. It's just that like in this particular instance, maybe there's a more fluid of motion. Whereas in single camera, you're having to express more than just actors. You're wanting to express the camera work. You're wanting to express the lighting. There's a whole host of other issues that could evolve the story. It definitely helps whenever the subtext of the camera movements are aiding into whatever is happening on the screen. It's just like an apples and oranges thing. And I I just, I don't know. I never really thought about that before on like the benefits of multi-camera sitcoms other than like, oh, it's easier to shoot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely a large difference, I think, um, with the approach and what they're trying to, what they're trying to deliver in the end. But um, obviously... Rob got to learn all this stuff firsthand week after week, you know, seeing what it's like. Uh, I don't know if he has a background in stage. I mean, you know, as an actor, you perform scenes, but then when you actually get on set, it can be very different. Um, And I think what you pointed out, Charles, very important as well, like learning how to uh, face, you know, your your body and perform towards the camera when it's not like a multicam or not on stage where you can just you know, perform as the director tells you, you need to be able to like, you know, find your angle with the camera and, and right. figure that out. I heard, I, I heard a story. I can't remember which actor it was. It was like a very esteemed actor <laughs> and people were asking the other actor that was acting against him. They were like, Oh, how is it working with this famous person? And he was saying like, I never acted with them. Whenever he did his scenes, it was shot over the shoulder and it was yeah. a stand in. <laughs> And then they had to cut to me, and I was talking with a stand-in. I never actually saw that actor face-to-face. You just spliced the film. You just edited it where it looked like (laughs) I was playing off of him. I was like, that is... It makes sense in some practical manner. Like, what if he had something like, maybe he was shooting like another movie or something like that. Yeah. But also like, ah, gosh, the magic of movies. The magic of movies. (laughs) They really do a lot. And actors have to do a lot that you don't, you don't really get to see. It's all fluid and effortless whenever we edit it together. But, uh, but I did want to, let's see, I wanted to talk about, uh, actually some of the responses to Rob when he was saying he would, he would love to know what life lessons people learn from watching uh, Northern Exposure. I know it opened my eyes to many, many things. Obviously, he he mentioned it. He, he expanded on that later. But uh, let's see. I found a couple that I really liked. Um, uh, let's see. From Alan Cohen. Appreciate your family. Do not take them for granted. And don't forget to stop sometimes to take a breath. I'm guessing family also includes like your... Um, why am I blanking on this? Your... Uh, What's the word for like not your biological family, but your your chosen family, like your community? It's still so, family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, don't forget to sometimes stop and take a breath. Obviously, that's, you know, we've been talking about this, this sort of like pace of life, this perspective to have. Uh, I also really liked, this is from at, okay, that maybe this was the one, at Lick Lessis. Um, the ki- uh, learned that kindness is everything, that it doesn't matter who you love, that people being forgiven past sins can reap rewards for those around them, that sometimes people can actually live and let live. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing that uh, uh, forgiven for past sins, maybe that's referencing Chris Stevens, you know, being sort of a ex-con, but I think it could apply to a lot of things for sure. Doesn't matter who you love. I love that uh, sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the, and then obviously everyone's going to always say, 
uh, one of the most memorable moments of Northern Exposure. It's not what you fling, but the fling itself, uh, which is obviously such a great lesson to take. But I was thinking about this recently, and obviously, like I understood the meaning of that, and I think I, you know, I think I could apply it to my life. But I don't think I, I probably didn't really fully understand this idea until much later in life. All right, that's all for today. Thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed that little preview. If you'd like to hear more of this episode or check out the kinds of stuff we're talking about each month on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash Northern Overexposure Podcast. And of course, thank you so much to our patrons right now on Patreon. Your support means a lot to us and your interaction on the Patreon platform is always really cool to see. I should also say you can always write into us at northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com. We're also pretty active on Twitter at northernoverpod. And yeah, we'll see you next week with more of season five. Thanks for listening.